today we're going to conclude our study uh, on the Ten Commandments. I, I, I shifted a little bit from last week, so allow me that privilege. Here's a guy who gives you notes. Here's a guy who plans stuff out, but he has to switch when he feels it, right? Come on, can I get an amen? I was going to talk two weeks about love, checking your love life, something I announced last week. But after working through the entire sermon, I felt something a little bit different. And so I want you to hang with me, and I'll show you what I did. You're going to have to take a pen out make some insert notes because I, I added a few things that are not in your notes. And so I need you to just kind of hang with me, but at least you have notes. How about an amen to that? Huh? Amen. Praise God. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, courageous conversation, conversation. About, what you really believe. about what you really believe. That is the topic that I came to after working through my prayer and study time, and I felt that this is the last in the Sermon on the Ten Commandments. Um, I went through a long list of, um, I think this is, um, yeah, this is the last one. Uh, this is the Seventh Commandment and that we're going to look at today. And it's, um, again, not in your notes, um, but it's, it's from the statement in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. You can write that down, Exodus 20 and 14, where it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Repeat that with me, please. Come on. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, for those of you that were not here, let me give you a quick summary, okay, so you won't get lost. God has a conversation with Moses, and in this conversation, God says, listen, Moses, when you get to the promise, then I'm concerned. I'm concerned that there will be ten issues that will cause Israel great trouble. And these ten issues, I'm divided into three main categories for you, so you can see those ten issues. The ten issue is, number one, I'm concerned with how they relate to me. They're going to, number one, not make me their first, the first God in their life. They're going to have other gods. So the first thing I want to say is, thou shalt have no other God before me. The second thing I'm concerned with Moses is they're going to carve me into their own images. So thou shalt, number two, thou shalt make no carved images unto me. And I had a piece of clay, remember, and I had the clay, and I was chopping it into different sizes and saying, that's what we do with God. We make him a Baptist, we make him an African-American, we make him white, we make him Asian, we make him an American, we make him like us. He thinks like us, and if he's really a good God, he'll be like we want him to be. He won't ask us what we don't want to be asked because we carve him into our own image. The third thing he said he's concerned with is that they're going to also take my name and use it in vain. And that's not just profanity, he's talking about embarrassing him. You know how your kids go to school and embarrass your name? He says, that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned with how they relate to me. Second area, major category that I'm concerned with is not only their relationship with God, but their relationship with themselves. So repeat with me, please. Say, our relationship with God and our relationship with ourselves. Now, this surprises people because the fourth commandment, which says, thou shalt honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. Most people make that into a church service and they miss the point. It's really not about that. It's, it's following, if you look at the text in Exodus is following the model of how God worked for a certain number of days, and then he stopped. He ceased. We often don't have much work-life balance. God said when they get to the promised land, they won't stop. They'll never stop for themselves. They'll go, 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 go until they're exhausted. Now, I, I made a point that there are plenty of other verses that talk about the importance of going to church, okay? Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. The Bible talks about a lot of things. Acts 2.41, where it talks about um, they, they came together in fellowship and breaking of bread. There's a lot of verses that talk about that. But the main focus, I believe, of the Sabbath conversation was not establishing the day we go to church. It was about establishing work-life balance. 
So he's concerned about our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, how we handle ourselves, and then thirdly, our relationship with others. And in conversating about that, I talked to you about the first thing that's a sign that your relationship with other people is falling apart. It starts in the home. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land. And then he went from that to a conversation about what happens when the home is not in order, what happens when you're out of balance, what happens when you don't relate well to God. Violence showed up in the garden, remember? In in Genesis chapter 4, you have the first murder. And that, my friend, is the concern that God had. You want to fix crime? Fix families. It's not just hiring more police officers. There's a value to that. I talked about that. There's a value to some of those things. But that's not all that fixes it. The core issue is in your home. That leaks into the street. So no murder, he said. Then he says, no, please don't commit adultery. He says, What's it gonna do? Well, once they, they're going to become violent, and then they're going to have no moral boundaries when it comes to their sex lives. They're not going to be able to contain themselves. And Moses, not only that, they're going to start stealing, lying, and coveting. And I talked about those things last week. The only thing I didn't talk about was adultery. And so what I wanted to do was said, okay, what I want to do is come in, and this was my plan, right? I'm going to, I was going to spend two weeks talking about, are you really in love? That's what I told you last week. But I changed my mind. And here's why. In studying it and working through it, I, I was, there was a verse that stuck with me, and it, it's an, it's, it, it said something to me that surprised me. And that verse, once I studied it, which I'll come to in a moment, led me to a conclusion. Temple, you're starting in the wrong place. Because when I talk about adultery, people go undercover. When you start talking about sex and you start talking about stuff like that, people go, oh, boy, I can't believe you said it in church, by the way. Well, you watch TV, so you hear it all the time. <laughs> I am G-rated right now. And so I, I came to this incredible thought that rather than sitting here spending the rest of my time with you, making you feel bad, and saying stuff that you already know, here was the bigger question that came to my mind. The reason they commit adultery and the reason they do what they do is because they don't believe me. So the big question is, what do you really believe? Here's what the Bible says you should, here's how the Bible says you should believe. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Read with me, please. For we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. That's what we're supposed to be. People who don't live by what we see, we live by what we we're told what we believe. It's like raising children, right? You tell them you don't work. Now, they've never had to work and provide for themselves, but you know it's coming. And by faith, they go to school. <laughs> by faith, they study. They've never had a job. They've never had a paycheck. But by faith, they're trusting your advice, and they're investing these 12 years or 14 years, however long it is, in getting prepared for this one amazing experience, going to work and paying these bills that you now pay. And so you spend years trying to prepare them by faith. I know you don't believe that's the, but son, listen, don't have that attitude. That'll get you in trouble. They haven't gotten in trouble yet. But by faith, they believe what you say and they adjust their attitude. When they don't and they get in trouble, you say, see, I told you. You walk by faith in this house, not by what? Sight. So God told them that. I did add something in verse 8 that surprised the staff when I put it in there. Verse 8 was interesting because I said to them, they said, why are you having, why do you have verse 8 in there? 
well, here's what it says, right? We're confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And they said, why did you put that in there? Because I want them to know the context of verse, of verse, uh, verse, uh, five, verse 7. This is a funeral text. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and you start at verse 1, it's the verse where he says, if this earthly body of tabernacle become dissolved, I have another one in heaven. So this is really a, a whole text about people dying. And Paul saying, if I die, it's okay. I have another body in heaven. So there's this incredible sense of this is a, an important thing you need to understand all of your life. And in this conversation, Paul lays out how we live. So here's what I want you to know. This is the big question that came to me. After looking at all of this, I realized that the bigger problem was if I jumped into the verse, and if you'll skip down, let me cheat. Go down, not cheat. Well, let me jump ahead a little bit. Look at second, uh, the second major division I have here. We're 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. You see that? Verse, one, one, verse 9 through 11. This was the main text I was going to use to ask you about your love life. But here's what I've concluded. If I used it, the issue would still be, do you agree with God? That's the question. Here's the verse. Let me read it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, rather, an idol, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Revilers, an insulter, a person who insults people, or an extortioner, that's the person who uses force to, or threat to get their way, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to pause right there for a second and look at the preacher for a minute. I didn't want to read that to you. Cause, cause, let me tell you why. Because it's going to sound like I'm picking on you. Oh, boy, he's got a list today. He's hammering people. And I, I read it, and I thought, oh, God, give me a break. I thought, okay. So I got to talk about adultery. It's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the seventh commandment. And so I got to get up there and tell people, okay, don't do it. You're bad if you do. And then they sit there, and they look at me, and they go, oh, boy, climb under the table. And then, you know, these big words like fornication, which is having sex outside of marriage. Well, they don't want to hear that because most people don't agree with me. So why would I even say that? So I just, I, I just didn't like it. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why in a minute. But... I, as I was reading that verse, preparing the sermon, it came to me. Temple, you're starting in the wrong place. The issue is they don't agree with you, and they don't agree with me. So if I argue this case, and I'm not going to sit here and pick on the list, okay? You might go, oh, boy, there's something on that list. I know I'm, in, I'm, on, I'm number three or number four. I don't know where you are, but, you know. Whatever, whatever number you are, I'm not your problem. Because here's the, real, here's the real deal. I didn't write the Bible. So you don't have to write me a letter or send me an email. Save it. I didn't do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hate talking about it. You know why? Because people go, oh, he's, he's talking down to me. No, I'm not. But here's the question. The big question came to me. Go up a little bit. Ready? The big question came to me. Do you really agree with God about the main issues in your life? Are you with me so far? The big question, yeah. If, if I looked at your sexual habits, would your life say you agree with God's opinion? This is all I want you to just think about. Does, do, would God have you on the Internet? 
I call it internet adultery. Would, I, would God have you sitting there watching porn? Is that what Jesus would say? Go and watch about an hour of that. That'd be really helpful for your spirit. God's opinion. I'm not making fun of you because I grew up around this stuff. I'm not saying that that, that, was, that, was, that wasn't in my house, but friends, family was all around. So I'm, I, don't, I don't, look, we didn't go to church. Listen, look at me, look at me. I wasn't a church person. We were good people, we were God-fearing people, but we weren't church people. So I'm not standing up here throwing you any kind of shade, even though it's, it's a pretty shady verse. It calls out names and peoples and issues, okay? I didn't write it, it's in the Bible, I'm just trying to work with it, okay? But the bigger question, and that's why the whole sermon changed. Because the bigger question is, we need to have a courageous conversation about what you really believe. And I want to know, do you really agree with God or not? If you say, no, we're there, hey, okay, bam, we're on, why would I, I didn't, that's between you and him, I'm just the guy up here talking. And it's not just in your sexual habits, do you agree with God, but here's another one. Do you agree, when you look at your financial habits, do you agree with God? Or do you feel like, no, look, look, I don't want my God talking about money, don't ask me for anything. Tithing, offering, or nothing, fine, just want to know what you believe. Is that, is that your view? Would I look at your giving habits and would I, would you, no, I'm not doing that. Fine. I'm not giving. I will receive. Pray for blessing. I'm a receiver, not a giver. How do you love God so much but you, just be honest for a second. Look at your tax return. You're going to file it and get your money back real fast. I know, right? But look at your giving record and say, how, what does that say about what I believe? Am I throwing shade on you? No, I'm just making, I'm asking you to think about that. Thirdly, please, look at your anger habits. And what does that say about what you believe? You get angry at a drop of a hat, you, you fight, you fuss. What does that say about what you believe? About your life management habits, the way you manage your day. Look at your home, look at your life, look around you. What does this say about what I believe? When you walk in your house and you just do this, you just, 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 there you go, bam. What does that say? <laughs> you think somebody's going to pick that up. You understand what I'm saying? That somebody's going to serve me. I'm not trying to be funny. I want you to think about that. And then you just don't, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother you at all. You just, you know what I'm saying? There's just no, you don't care about that at all. You just, this is how we live. This is this, this is that. You know, it's all good. Just let, there you go. Just let it all go. It's just fine. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going any further. But you get the point? He's, he's, always, he's out of control. He's out of control. He's, somebody needs to go get him. He's up with it. Preacher man is flipping out. We are losing him today. Oh, no, you're not. But you get the point. You're just going, what, what is that? Well, what does that say about what you believe? I didn't, no shade, just a thought. Do you walk by faith or not? If you and God were having a conversation about the seventh commandment, what would you tell him? What would you say? What would be your thoughts? Me, my personal struggle, talking about this, I put it in print for you. You ready? Here we go. I'm almost done. Quick sermon. Watch this. You ready? I personally don't like telling people they're unrighteous. I don't like telling you that. That I, 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 I don't, that's why I didn't write it. He did. 
I personally don't like naming specific issues that embarrass people. Driving into people's personal lives bothers me. Even though as a pastor, I have to. So if you are a leader and you are in front of people and I've learned that you're having some issues, I might will talk to you, more than likely, knowing me. Because I really believe those things are important. If, if God said to Moses, these are the ten things that concern me, and Moses ignored them, there's a problem. What's really sad is, I may not like it, but here's a bigger danger. There's a problem if I don't respond to it, and I'll show you that in a minute. Number three, I personally don't like the idea of telling people they're not going to heaven either. Like I got some kind of key to get you in. Here's what I like. I like verse 11. Here's what verse 11 says, right? If you go up a little higher, you see it in bold print. And such were some of you, but you were washed. That's what I want to talk about. You were washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. I want to talk about the positive part of it. I want you to say, well, he preached the word today. He gave me joy. Can you say, yeah? Yeah. I feel the spirit of God. He's a God that can save you. See, I like that. See, I like that. Send you home happy, smile at me. That boy, I like Pastor Rick. He's just great. But when you pull out the list and you start naming stuff, I, I, I struggle with that. Because here's what I think you can think. That I think I'm better than you. That somehow I never struggle with anything on the list. That somehow that, that's, that's, that's supposed to be. But that's not what this is about. This is about all of us having a courageous conversation about what we really believe and coming to the point where somebody doesn't have to say, you're committing adultery. You should pause and say, hey, you know, he said that would be a problem. He said that I would have an issue, that we would have a challenge in this area of our lives. And so if, if you are in that land living that way, the question for you is, why are you there? And what does that say about what you believe? Well, I'm in love. And? Does that change anything about the list? He didn't ask you, you know, well, I steal because I want to have fun. I mean, you can have a reason for doing whatever you want to do. But the question is, do you really believe that his plan for your life is the best, or do you believe that your plan for your life is the best. So in summary, my bottom line is that we really don't agree with God and lean more to our own life choices, approaches, and opinions. The truth is, when you zoom in close, a lot of us, we believe in our own way. Our own life choices, our own approaches, and our own opinions. God, thank you for the input, but I choose to do it my way. I appreciate you writing the Bible and giving me this list of things to think about, but I choose to ignore everything you said. That is a profound moment. If I'm not careful, I will run the church based on my opinion, ignoring Scripture, and not challenge you to live according to God's opinion. In other words, I just let people do what they want to do. When they want to, don't say anything. It's all okay. Everything is fine. Whatever you want. And this is, this is why I, I really believe it's dangerous. 
Thirdly, if I'm not careful, I will appoint carnal leaders. The word carnal means someone that's fleshly driven, someone who has no spiritual passion. It's just basically what they come up with on their own. If I'm not careful, I will appoint carnal leaders and allow things to grow that are totally, I can allow things to grow that are totally inconsistent with God's will for our life and future. This is one of the main reasons why I'm changing the membership process. We had a membership process for years where you had to go through a series of classes and we would let you come in. And, and I'm not saying it's going to need to be long or complicated. It needs to be easy enough to get it done. But here's, here's a problem with some of the approaches we have now. And if you're in the membership, you know, process, hang in there, you're okay. But this is kind of the direction we're going in. I want to know you. I don't want you to just join. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's healthy long term. You ever have people just move in your house, you don't know? <laughs> Come on in, it's, you know, it's keys. <laughs> you, you the cook, you the, you the baker. <laughs> I ain't never seen you cook. How many of you know people, watch this, they think they can sing, but they really can't. Raise your hand. <laughs> Put your hand up, I want to see you. You know people like that? Did you ever tell them? See that? Uh-huh. See, because you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? When they sing, you go, help, Jesus. Come, Lord. Amen. You ever seen that in church? They yell at them. Work it out, Lord. That means you can't sing. <laughs> you, you ever seen a preacher? And I hope, hopefully it's not today. <laughs> that boy just confuses you like crazy you don't know where he's at though. Wait, wait. he reads a verse real fast and then he go to uh, Zechariah chapter 5 verse 2 chapter 5 verse 2 and the Lord said blah 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 blah, blah. He said, I, I can't even find Zach or nothing what did you say where are you you know what I'm saying you're just totally confused and you sit there and then when they fuss at you say things like um, come on now get with it said, we don't know where you are amazing, isn't it? People joining by the hundreds and you don't know them. At some size, it does become complicated. There's 3,000 right at 400 members. It's a little below 400, but uh, I forget the number. But it's right around their number, somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood, 3,300 plus some people. That's good. But I, I, we've we got to know each other. If we're not careful, we start growing stuff and we don't pay attention to stuff. And, and I'm, I really, as a pastor, focusing on what we're growing. Long term, it matters. That's why some of you in your family, what you're doing wrong, he'd give you some advice. You're working hard, but you don't know anybody in there anymore. You guys don't even eat at the table anymore. When's the last time you sat at the table and ate a, ate a meal without your device? When's the last time? When's the last time? you thought about going anywhere fun. You're working, you're living together, but what are you building? Are you, you wonder, you're confused why you and your wife don't get along? You wondering why you and your children don't talk? You, you wonder why they don't visit you? This is, there's no family structure, there's no family vision. If I'm not careful, I'll appoint leaders, I'll start making decisions, and I won't connect the dots. But we can fix that with a courageous conversation. Lastly, I could become like the parent who just gave up and allowed their children to live any way they chose to live in their home. 
Hey, listen, if you're going to do drugs, just come on in the bedroom. No. Come on back there. Just shoot up in here. I'd rather you do it in here than in the street. At least I know you're safe in your room. Getting stoned out of your mind. That's not air freshener. Why would you pretend that's air freshener? No, no, don't go, don't go to a hotel. Just come on to you. Just come on here. Just come on here. It's fine. You and your boyfriend. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Look, I'd rather you be here under my holy roof. <laughs> Praise God. Am I bothering you? Probably, but that's why I told you I don't like the list. But if I'm not careful, I'll be like this guy. This is not your notes either. Write this down. You ready? Second, First Samuel 2.29. There's a guy in the Bible named Eli. And one thing you have to be careful about as a parent or as a leader is that you, this guy, you don't, you don't want to become like this guy. He had children that were out of control. His house was out of control. And he made an incredible decision. Here's what the Bible says. This is God speaking to Eli through Samuel. Why did you, do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering? In other words, why do you dis, dis, disrespect my, my sacrifice? Why do you disrespect me? He said, by honoring your sons more than me. You put things before me. Your sons have become your new idol. I love my children. I love my wife. But I need to be careful. That I don't ever let this happen. What do you believe? Well, how do you move? You might say, Pastor, after hearing this, this is an interesting thought. How do you move from not believing to believing? How do you get from here to there? Acts 2, 38. You ready? The first thing is you need to repent. Acts 2, 38 says repent. Change. That's what repent means. Turn. Change, repent, and turn. Come on. Say what you Come on. Change, repent, and if I want to be really technical, I probably flip, should flip it. Say repent, repent change, change, and turn. turn. The reason I should do that is because the word repent really means change. Turn. Repent is the main word used in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, because Peter is talking to the, these people, and they're listening to him, and they're convicted, and they go, boy, you know, I need to change my, what, I need, what, what should we do, Peter, after hearing your sermon? He says, what you need to do is, first of all, repent, which means I'm not going in the same direction. And so that's the first step. The second step is this. You ready? Look down the road. Say that with me, please. Come on. Here's what you told him in verse 39. The promise is targeting to you and your children. In other words, here's why you change, because it's, it's not just you we're talking about. It's your children. One of the most painful things to see is older people look at their children and see themselves and say, I did that. At least part of that. Not all of it, but part of that. I taught them that when they're grieved to go get high but on alcohol, but they elevated it to drugs. I taught them that, okay, when you're mad, you yell and you scream and you fuss and you cuss. And they went and shot somebody. I taught them this. They went to that. But I'm in there somewhere. There's a little bit of me in there somewhere. Because I never believed enough to change. I never believed enough to turn. 
Do not be, if you are the kind of person, do not be confused if your children choose to never, listen to this, be faithful to their wives or their husbands. And there's this myth that's always, guys, but I'm a pastor, trust me, as many ladies as guys jump off the cliff. And one of the tragedies is God looked at Moses and says, I'm going to make this one number seven. And that's a special number. It's going to be a special issue. It's going to be everywhere. Can you be trusted? Can you, can you be trusted? <laughs> and then he said this last thing in verse 40. Get out while you can. He went on... Uh, in this vein, this is the message version of the Bible saying, urging them, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid, he called it a strong word, culture. Don't live this way. I wasn't going to tell this story. I probably shouldn't. But raise your right hand. Everybody's hands up. I'm looking around. Thank you very much. Now, that means don't tell anybody. <laughs> people, people, people look. And come to believe that certain things are impossible. They, they come to believe that there's, there's, there's no way that I could ever not do that. And, you know, you listen to me in the sermon, you go, oh, oh. okay, pastor, I heard that fornication is on that list. Oh, God, okay. All right, all right. <clears throat> all right, girl, we're not going to do that for a whole day. We're going to... Gonna pray. <laughs> talk, talk to God. <laughs> I mean, honestly, people don't even know where to start. It's like, okay, I heard you. I saw some stuff on the list, maybe, and they don't know how to process it. And I'm not here to tell you how to process it today. But, but I, I want you to understand that somebody is looking, looking to find somebody who can free them from their bondage. When I talked about the internet and the pornography and stuff, I'm not trying to set it to mock you, but there are people who sincerely would say, can you just, how do you not do that? How do you, how do you rein in this part of your life? How do you rein in your thoughts? How do you rein in, what, what do you do? I, I don't, I don't want to say there's no magic potion, but there is a simple answer. The answer is repent. First, acknowledge that what you've been believing is not right. Acknowledge that, okay, I have these things. On, I can name two or three things on this list that I'm doing or that I'm involved in. But, okay, you obviously don't agree with me. Now let's work from that basis. At least we can start a courageous conversation because I now admit that we disagree. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Let's not fake it. Because here's what I believe. People can tell what you believe by what you do. And they come to judgments and opinions about you. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But they come to opinions. This is why the story comes up. I'm about to tell you that you will remember you raised your right hand. I was in a place the other day. I was eating, right? And so um, I was, people always come up to me and say hi and speak to me and stuff, you know. And I saw you on TV years ago or whatever. So, so it wasn't anything. This lady walks over to the ta table. I'm on the phone with Ricky, my son, right? We're talking. 
And Ricky, uh, Ricky, uh, you know, she doesn't know he's on the phone, and, and so he can hear this conversation. So she kind of comes over to the table, and she kind of leans and smiles, right? So I thought, okay, well, she must watch the tub. She's seen me somewhere, knew who I was or whatever. And so she didn't say anything much, like, hi, Pastor Rick, or nothing. She just started kind of just leaning on the table. And so, so, so I said, well, how are you? And so she says, well, can I just say this to you? I was watching you when you came in here. Now, this be cool. Just listen. She says, you are a really together guy. Confident, strong, set here. I don't know what you're working on, but I'm telling you, I bet you, if you're not married, the women are all over you. That's what she said to me. That's what she said. So I, <laughs> I looked at her, right? And I said, well, I said, no, I'm married 37 years. Ain't nobody all over me. And uh, she said, well, I'm not from here. I just want you to know. She just, I, her husband was right there, so it wasn't like she was trying to, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if he could hear or not, but what she was saying. So she said, I said, well, nice to meet you. God, I, you where are you from? She said, well, I'm from up north. And she walked off. That. I said, well, thank you for the compliment, sort of, kind of, right? So watch this. So Ricky's on the phone. Here's what Ricky says. Ooh, I'm going to tell mama. <laughs> You know you ain't right. You know that, right? Woo! With your handsome self. <laughs> I'm going to tell mama. I'm going to tell mama. You get macked on in the store. What you doing, boy? She said, you know what? Do you need some counseling now? Do you need some advice? Let me give you a word. Oh, he went off on me for a minute. I said, Temple, Ricky, don't clown me. No, oh, hey, hey, wait a minute. Mr. Got It Together. Hold on for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, it was really nice. It was, you know, what it was nice. It was whatever it was. But here's, here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. Maybe, just a thought. Maybe you have an opinion about men. You have an opinion about black men. You have an opinion. And you see this guy, and for some reason, it's not what you expect. And for some reason, you feel compelled to make this awkward comment to say, Whatever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever's on you, I like it. And I just want you to know that. And she said it the best way she could. You understand what I'm saying? Threw the women in there. I guess that go with it. I don't know. You, know, you threw it in there. But at the end of the day, here's, here's the point. Maybe I was a light that moment, in that moment, that she couldn't define. That's my prayer. The same way people can read that, they can read other stuff. I'm not perfect by a long shot. Don't take that the wrong way. I don't hear that every day. That's why you go write that down. That was amazing. That was <laughs> Thank you very much. Put that in the books. You know. but, but there's something about deciding how I want to look, what I want to believe. What you believe shows up. It, it leaks out in the public. And so I try to wrestle my insecurities when I'm in private so they won't leak in public. What you're doing, people are seeing. And what you're believing, listen to me, people are feeling. Father, help us today. Help us leave this conversation with a courageous determination to believe. I thank you, Lord God, for your grace. 
I thank you, Lord God, for your strength. I thank you for the power of your word. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm, I'm going to jump up just a little bit. And I'm saying this because I, I want to make sure I do this in a way that's coded and fair. If you're facing a serious illness, a physical challenge, I want you to know that your God is still Lord of your life. And when you walk in that hospital room or when you walk into that doctor's office, I want them to feel your faith. I want them to notice that God's hands on your life. And I want you to know that your God is the biggest big God who can fix everything. If you're facing a physical challenge in your life, I want to pray for you today. Because I believe God is a healer and a fixer. If you're going through an emotional challenge today, he's a healer and a fixer. I can call you down to the altar, but I'm going to let you stay in your seat. Because he can hear you up here and he can hear you right there. And I want you to have the right of privacy. But I want you to do me a favor. Every hand lifted in this building. God, I pray for people today who are struggling with something on this list. People who are struggling with their faith. People who are going through great challenges. I pray, God, that you would take this moment to let them know that you care about them. Put on something, put something on them today that will have an, an aura of peace, an amazing aura of confidence. And Father, I declare in Jesus' name that you let our light so shine before men that they may see you. I pray in Jesus' name for you to let the peace of God mm, and the strength of God flow into the lives of your people. We bind the spirit of fear. Come on, pray with me, church. We bind the spirit of unbelief. There are brothers in here who are bound by pornography. There are women in here bound by it, but they, I speak healing in Jesus' name. Even scientists say you can change that. Your mind is like plastic. All you got to do is cut it off, unplug it in Jesus' name. Be honest about where you are. And say, I no longer believe that's healthy for me. Some are in unhealthy relationships. They've crossed the line morally. And it's time to say, this can't continue. I want God's blessing in my life. Come on, say amen. I want God's favor in my life. I, I want God's power in my life. In the name of Jesus. Look at the preacher for a second. Hands down. Somebody asked me the other day. They said, how do you? How do you change? Decide what you want to look like in the mirror. Got this morning, and I got my clothes laid out, and I got showered and dressed so I could get here on time. I didn't want to apologize to you. I don't want to be the apology brother. I don't want to be the broke brother. I don't want to be the angry brother. So that means that I need to get myself up. I have a plane to catch this coming week. I need to be to the airport early. Don't run to the plane. I don't want to be the brother. Every time I go to the airport, I say, they come to Holy Ghost. Look at him running. There you go. Holy Ghost running. 
How do you want to be? Who do you want to be? You want to be free? If you want to be free, raise your hand back up again. Father, speak freedom to them. Let them make decisions. Their belief systems, their behavior, their choices have to align where they say they want to go. And so, God, I declare over the lives of your people today that they'll leave your change and they'll never be the same. Now, every hand down, one last prayer. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've heard the message, I'm clear. But I, I don't really believe I've been serving God. I think I've been kind of doing it my own way. But I want to give my life to Jesus today. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a minute. If that's you and you're saying, I want you to pray for me, Pastor, because I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray a prayer for me. Raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I need to give my life. I think this is an important decision, people. You have to make a statement about what you believe. You have to say, I now have turned my belief system. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me? No one's going to call you up front. Just pray for you in your seat. If you're watching from home or some of you raising your heart and your hand, Father, one more time, I pray for those who just prayed this prayer. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them. May they say, Jesus, I know you love me. I know you've forgiven me. And I thank you for dying on the cross to give me this chance. And so today we settle in our hearts and minds that we want to be blessed, we want to be servants of God, and we give you all the praise. Lastly, I pray for those who might be interested in membership. I pray, God, there are people in this congregation who want to be a part of a church that want to grow. They've made this be the day they say, you know what, I need to be a part of a place like this where I can grow. Let this be that moment, I pray. In Jesus' name, where they make that decision to cross, cross into a land of relationship with us so we can help them grow and become all that you want them to be. Thank you for this chance. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.